0: This is Writer's Cast, a podcast about books and authors. I'm your host, David Wilk. Today, I'm talking to Michael Ferris Smith about a novel called Blackwood. Uh, this is a writer that I'd never heard about before and ran across by accident. Um, and I'm really impressed with this book. How are you, Michael?
1: I'm good, David. How are you? I'm well,
0: um, you know, as we, we as we sort of uh, are in the midst of pandemic, uh, we're all trying to figure out who we are, how we exist, what's the future. And uh, so that's the kind of background for this conversation about your book. I want to say before we talk about Blackwood, the way that I discovered you was through a piece you wrote in Garden and Gun, which is a southern magazine um, of arts and letters and food and hunting and all kinds of other things. But it's a magazine I've been reading for a long time, and you wrote a wonderful piece about your dog. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to point that out, that uh, it was an just an amazing piece of writing. And, you know, you don't have to love dogs in order to appreciate it. But I wanted to thank you for that.
1: Oh, yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. It uh, was a tough one to write, but I'm glad I wrote it.
0: Yeah, and I think you talked a lot about your writing in that and that sort of attract, you know, that's kind of what got me. I mean, it was a great story, but it also I wanted it it made me want to read more of your work and talk to you about writing. So, um, I'm glad that I discovered that piece um
1: yeah, when yeah. I
0: did. And the other thing I noticed, I was doing a little research on you after I finished reading Blackwood and I saw that you had done an interview with Ivy Pacoda. And she is, I read one of her books and interviewed her some years ago. It it must be a long time ago um, now. And um, it was a really, the interview she did with you was really good, I thought.
1: Yeah, me too. She's great. She's, uh, I love her work and she's smart and she just, we got to be friends over the years too. And uh, yeah, she's always a lot of fun to talk to.
0: And sort of weirdly today, I, I went out for a walk and I was, I turned on the LA Review of Books podcast and it was an interview with Ivy Pacoda.
1: <laughs> that
0: was very strange. She's
1: following her around.
0: I know. It's, I feel like I, I'm going to have to send her an email and let her know um, that she's around. You know, she's in the atmosphere here really. somehow. Um, well, you know, Blackwood. And I will, the other thing I need to say, which I think is really important, I read the book digitally. You know, this is the time when it's really harder to get physical books in your possession. And I wanted to read this book. I didn't want to wait a long time. And your publisher was really kind and sent me a uh, digital copy of the book, a PDF that I could upload into my reader. So I read the book digitally. And there are some, for me as a reader, Uh, I mean, I love reading books. I don't care whether it's digital or print. I prefer print, uh, but for talking to somebody about a book that I've read, it's much more challenging with the digital version because I can't leaf through the book, find the places that I thought were interesting and um, go back to them as easily. You can bookmark in an ebook, fine, but it's just not the same. And so I sort of feel a little bit at a loss there are things that I probably would have talked to you about had I had a physical copy of the book, but that's just the way it
1: is. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I, I know what you mean, though. It's tough for me reading anything in an e version because I do. I want to mark it and I want to dog ear it and I want to be able to go back.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think the you know the old fashioned reader in me wants the. It's I sort of feel like with clothes if when I put them in the. In the drawer, I kind of forget that I have them. And with uh, an ebook, you know, with a print book, it's that page is there. I can do, you know, I can put a note there. I can stick something in the book and go back to it. Whereas with the ebook, yes, you can bookmark, but it's all invisible. It's in outer space somewhere.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So, but th- this book, I thought, you know, I was, when I was thinking about the book after I read it and figuring out kind of what it meant to me. Um, and, I, you know, and I don't want to talk too much about the story because we don't want to give anything away to people who haven't read it. Um, so I think it's important that we'll talk around some of it or, you know, allude to some elements of it without giving away too much story. Um, you know, it's a, a, it is a very uh, mysterious and I think um, hard, a painful book in some ways. Uh, I don't want to say dark because that's too easy, but I think that it fits the time that we're in, this sense of um, foreboding and ill at ease that a lot of people are feeling right now, right today, right now, as we are in the midst of pandemic, this book is really powerful. Uh, it's almost as if you were channeling uh, this kind of impending um, uh, darkness, I will call it that, but this mm-hmm. impending difficulty, you know, because in your book, uh, in Blackwood, there's this kind of underlying unnaturalness or natural unnaturalness that is there in the town. You're, this is Red Bluff, I think it's Mississippi, right? I I think right. you're, you know set in Mississippi. Um, it's you know, and and there's this feeling of something happening, and you don't know what it is. Uh, and when you, I guess, what I want to, instead of just saying that to you, I want to ask you. As you were, you know, when you set out to write this book, was that always there?
1: Was was what always there?
0: No. The, the feeling that uh, that that's this powerful feeling of foreboding and ill at ease that comes about because of this. You know, as you, it's hard to talk about it because it's no. at the core of the book. Um, it has it, even without the characters, there's a thing. That is in the ground under the kudzu, which you have as a kind of symbol of of the you know this thing, this uh, you know it's hard to figure out what it is all about, and I guess I'm kind of wondering what it meant to you when you were writing the book.
1: Well, I mean I think you're right. I think the sense of foreboding was always there, and I think that is largely because this was a novel that began for me. Uh, with the landscape before anything. Um, I had this notion of this kudzu-covered valley um, with this small town sitting on the edge of it and the growth of the kudzu just being so expansive and and invasive and just covering the valley and the the woods and the creek banks and anything that may have been left behind there, the buried house down below. So it was very much a setting and an atmosphere before I had anything else. And that mood, I think, crept into me, that notion of there is something in the shadows, there is something um, lurking beneath. The vines themselves Like have a, have a life of their own. They're very alive. They're creeping towards you. Um, people's imaginations are beginning to run with what is there or what isn't there. So I think in some ways where I started out, I started out trying to discover are trying to figure out what could possibly be the thing that was, um, I guess, in a way, beginning to choke out the town itself. Um, it's a very stagnant place. Um, it's a place where life seems to have come to a pause and has been for a great amount of time. And then when some when things do start to happen, like they don't really know how to deal with it. So I think that sense of impending doom was almost there from the beginning, just merely, I think, because of the the notion of the landscape that I had and that the role it could play and that how the landscape was this very alive and uh grasping thing before even characters even like walked into the novel
0: right it's almost as you're talking about I'm realizing it's kind of like you you, a child feels about the darkness you know when you when you're lying in bed and you think that there's something out there you know you don't or, or you don't even have to be a child. You know, you're in a place where you've never been before and you hear sounds that you can't really place. And there's that, if you let your imagination take you there, you can go to some very scary places.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's even a line in the novel from, uh, from Meyer, the sheriff, when he like early on begins to feel like there's a shift in the air almost, like something's going on and he tells his wife something like um you know it's like when something moves in the dark you know it's there but you don't know what it is and you can't put your hand on it that 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 kind of that kind of feeling just kind of begins to overwhelm but yeah very much like being a kid or being an adult being in a in a place you're unfamiliar with and being a little uh you know scared I think we're all scared of the dark a little bit when it comes down to it.
0: Well, and also the setting. You're right about the setting. I, I lived in North Carolina and South Carolina for a while. The, and in the country, you have that kind of the, the kudzu does the same thing. You know, it grows everywhere. You've got these uh, areas where you're kind of afraid to go. You just, yeah. you know, you don't know what's there. You don't know, what's underneath that. Um, you know, are you going to fall into a hole and never come back? Sure. Which is sort of ironic because that is in the book. But um, you know, I, I and I also remember when I lived there. Uh, you know, kind of evo- what you've done is evoked a place that actually is probably familiar to a lot of people uh, if you've ever lived in the countryside. Um, you know, these old falling down houses that are being re um, taken back by the land essentially. Right. Um, you know, there's yeah. that feeling you and you really you you have that feeling about the town itself.
1: Yeah, I think that's what happened to me, too, is, uh, you know, here in North Mississippi, the kudzu is everywhere. And I think I just began to see it differently. Like you mentioned, you know, you've been you've been around it. You know, you know what it's like. And um, of course, me, too. I mean, even as a kid, like we would go underneath. I lived in a neighborhood where some of it had overgrown this little clump of forest and we would go underneath there and play. But, um, over the past couple of years, I just began to notice it differently. Um, very haunting and almost like, you know, wondering if there was even a, where the depth was in it, you know, how far down could you go? Um, and I don't know, my imagination just really began to play with it. And it wasn't, it wasn't that hard to imagine, a. A little small town like right here on the edge of it, too, on the cusp of it, because I think, you know, again, people who are familiar with kudzu, it'll grow right up to your back door if you let it.
0: Well, you have there, there is a scene or a couple of scenes that take place in one of the houses that's important to the story, uh, which is, you know, in, at the beginning of the story. you. Well, there, there are a couple of places where you go back to this. Um, there are a couple of really central storylines and one of them has to do with your main character, Colburn's youth, and something that happens to him when he's a kid. And you're back in that house now 20 some odd years later. Um and that house now has begun to be taken back by the kudzu, by the you know, the the growth essentially taking back the house.
1: Right. It's uh I think it played into this notion of generations too, which, you know, I don't, it didn't really start out with it. I just kind of came to it as the story unfolded. This essence, the notion of time and the essence of time ignored, I think here seems to be playing. Like if you ignore the weeds and the vines, they're going to, they will take over your house. They will grow up the, they'll grow over your car. They will take over the, the riverbed. Um, in the same way, like I think the people of this town and I think even Colbert himself has kind of ignored maybe um, what's what one what has happened to him um and kind of running him from himself i think in a way over the years and then the town too is just kind of like they're just kind of there i think there's another line in the book that says uh i think culver says this place feels like a movie set where people just show up to pretend for a few days and then they disappear right you now
0: well you know that that Kind of play. There are a couple of themes that I've thought of, and one of them is this sort of that this. There's a psychological element to the book in that if you ignore these broken places in your past, and that's true not just for Colburn but for others in your book, those who, if you don't grapple with it, if you don't admit that it happened or whatever it is, then it will it it will damage you it may kill you it may take over your entire life like the kudzu it may tear, you know bring you back to a, or bring you to a place that you had no idea existed
1: yeah i think too um i think that kind of worked with the notion of mental illness and mental, mental health as the book went along too that began to occur to me that a lot of these characters um their mental health seems to deteriorate just because of those things you mentioned right right there they don't really want to admit the problems they don't want to face them and so over time it just gnaws at them and gnaws at them until they find themselves capable of things they probably thought they would never be never be capable of
0: right well no I think in that way it's a very power that is part of the power of the book because um it, we know we know that but we don't know how to always resolve it for ourselves you know it's it's yeah. one thing to say you need to deal with this or it's going to harm you it's another thing to participate in someone else's story where that's actually happening in much more power. That's the beauty of fiction is that it, it allows you to, you know, to be in someone else's life in that way.
1: That's right. Yeah, we don't always know what to do. You know, I think setting the book back, you know, back in the 70s too, I think even lends, lends itself to that idea of too where you just kinda, come on man, shake you out of it type thing. and. That it, Really have, that's not really how it works.
0: No, I, the, the, and the other thing that I thought was very powerful and and kind of related to that is that all the almost all of the characters are dealing with regret of mm-hmm. some form or another. And you know, when you mentioned My, Meyer, is a really interesting character. He's the local sheriff, basically has never done anything other than what he wanted to be early on in his, when he was young, I want to be sheriff. Okay. Then he becomes the sheriff. And, and then he sort of doesn't really do anything with that. He doesn't go anywhere with it. Um, but so he has regret. And then he has regret later because he also realizes what he didn't do that he could have done when he, but he didn't recognize things or he didn't act when he could have all these, you know, kind of, you just go along things and then all of a sudden you feel, you recognize the downside or the danger or the damage that you've caused. And he has tremendous regret, but also Colburn has regret. He has a big regret, um, that he hasn't dealt with. It's his unresolved moment. And, but he, there, you know, all of them on one level or another are dealing with that idea of not doing something that they could have done. And yeah. not ever figuring out how to resolve that for themselves, so it just becomes this hole, this emptiness, and and then of course, you know, the emptiness it becomes manifestly physical.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, regret—that's one of those really good um, R words for fiction. Regret's a really good thing. Revenge is another one of those good R words. I like a lot when it comes to, to making a story. But, you know, those things can gnaw at you, and they certainly have here. And like you said, they I think it's like a lot of emotions. A lot of emotions, if they go unchecked, will eventually manifest themselves into other things, um, whether it be vice, whether it be addiction, whether it be hate, whether it be um, jealousy, envy, envy, greed. And then in this case, you know, Some of all those things plus violence, um, that kind of building up, that building up, whether it be over the course of a year or the course of a lifetime, um, things will find their way out of you, I think, if you ignore them and if they're powerful enough. And I think regret is a very powerful thing that um, can beat you down um, and it can also build you up to where you can become something that you probably didn't want to become and i think we see that some in, in a few of these characters
0: yeah i do too now when i you know i read this the interview that ivy Pacoda did with you and sh- i think in that interview you talked about writing this book um kind of without a plan you know without a a, a um uh, a necessary you know without a, an outline a structure mm-hmm. you just you wrote it and it kind of evolved into the story that it is. And then later, you discovered a connection between this book and one of your earlier books. And it sounds like from that point, you actually had to rewrite and change the book in order to because you understood it better that at that right. point. Uh, is that your normal uh, way of writing that is to say it's kind of organic that you start. In this case, as you said earlier, you start with setting characters, and then the story evolves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say my typical plan is no plan at all in general. Um, I think the organic way really works for me because um, that notion of discovery um, that I'm figuring out as I go along, I feel like really translates to the reader down the line. Um, sometimes the landscape that, you know, kind of triggers the idea. Like, for instance, my first novel, Rivers, which is um, about. Um, of Mississippi Gulf Coast after years and years of hurricanes like that was the jumping off point for that and I really never thought I'd have another novel that came like that originated with the idea for a landscape Um because after that in my next uh, couple or three it's been like the notion or the image of something that I can't shake like Desperation Road it was I just had this image of a a woman and child walking down to the side of the interstate, like carrying everything they own in a garbage bag. Uh, The fighter was uh, this guy who's in a lot of physical pain, and he's driving through the night, and he's hooked on opioids, and he owes some people some bad money. And I started trying to figure out where he's going and what his life is about. And then with Blackwood, it came back around the landscape again. Um, But, you know, I'm not one to sit around and, and wait on the story to unfold before I sit down and write it. Like I really like try to go out and find it in the right. Like the writing to me is the thing is the thing you're supposed to do to, um, you know, to figure it out, to discover it. I mean, there's a million different ways to do it, but you know, I guess over the course of five or six books now um, that seems to be working for me. This, you get something you can't stop thinking about and that's kind of how, you know, that's what you want to go and try to find out about. And then you just sit down and try to, I always say I like to sit down and like start following these people and see what their life is like and see what what they're about and um, uh. So yeah, to me, the following, the almost the watching, um, and experiencing things when they experience it, like knowing it when they get there type thing. I hope translates to the reader too later on.
0: Right. He did definitely work. I, I have not read your other books. Now I probably will want to do that, but um, I think this work, I mean, it's, the writing is really strong and it's kind of meditative. And of course, you know, you can't stop uh, thinking about how it is a Southern book. You know, it's very deeply Southern. Um, and I assume that you kind of, I mean, you feel comfortable that, I mean, you, you're you from, you're, are you from Mississippi originally?
1: Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm from Mississippi. So, yeah.
0: So you sort of, you know, you kind of, in a way, you can't avoid, um, you know, <laughs> the ghost of Mississippi writers before you, right. um, but it, it feels like, you know, the place has its, um, its grip on you and you're writing through that. Um, you know, you're, you have your own view, you have your own identity, but, um, you know, you're definitely in that place.
1: It's certainly a landscape that I'm familiar with, and I think it's a landscape that has um, been shown over the course of many writers and many years to be full of complexities and, um, um, and beauty and danger and all those things. Um, it's really a wealth of, of uh, creative opportunity, I think. And I guess I feel fortunate to be from a place that offers me these things uh, kind of in a natural way. And, uh, but I think I've also been smart enough to look for them and recognize them and embrace them. And let's just, you know, show it for what it is. I think the important thing is to be honest with it all. Um, And, you know, I've got the Mississippi blood through my veins. I also left the state for a while too. And I think um, that was before I, you know, was trying to write. So I think when I finally did come back to Mississippi and it, it being 29 or 30 years old and decided I wanted to try to write, I had I'd both experienced it as a boy and as a young man, and then I'd left the state for a while, and then I got to look at it from a different angle. So I think when I sat down to write, um, maybe um, I, I see it through a little bit of a different lens, but I also see it. From a guy a uh, perspective of a guy who very much has that dirt under his fingernails and i'm I'm always interested to see what else um what else might show itself to me around here
0: so do um do you ever feel that in this book in particular, maybe in your other books, the characters are still with you after you finish the book? do you feel like you have any unfinished unfinished business with any of them
1: oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's very strange to um to have that in you, kind of always. And I think the way I tend to leave novels is that there probably are. I mean, I can always imagine kind of turning the page and seeing what they're doing. I wonder what they're doing next. And I, I really think with Blackwood in particular, when the two, when I realized that the, the man and the woman in that book are actually a man and a woman who walk out of the very early pages of The Fighter, the previous novel, that was the first time that ever happened for me, but I again begin to like really like almost feel connections, um, through the strain of my work. I think you know, um, time you pass like a, a road sign that you've used or uh, you know, some place that uh, you've written a scene or all the they kind of come back to you, and it's weird because I think you find yourself looking for them a little bit. I do that all the time. I kind of, you know. Looking and think, well, that's where so and so would have been, and that's where he or she said that. And um, I think that's a good sign too. I think if I did forget about them, then I probably haven't done it the right way. You know, I think if they're kind of alive in me, and they probably always will be, I think uh, I think that's certainly the way I would prefer it. I want them to be a part of me, and because you know, too, they they might show up again. I, I really uh, ever since this book, I've been wondering like, what else. And who else's story from like another novel might be unfinished and worth telling? Because I really kind of, even though it was very accidental when it happened, I really kind of enjoyed it. No,
0: it's a great thing. I I was, I loved the Cadillac, by the way. I think that's a pretty good, um, that was so perfect. Uh, You know, it, it kind of identified them, those characters driving this ratty old Cadillac. You got it right away. You know, you know who they are. You know what was going on. You know, you know where they were. Maybe not where they were headed, but where they came from, for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I figure if you're going to condemn characters to ride around in a busted old car, you might as well make it a Cadillac. <laughs>
0: That's right. Well, you know, the character I was thinking of that you might— it was just kind of curiosity, but you kind of alluded to him earlier, which is Meyer. It seems like, you know, you might he, he might have something to say at some point.
1: I think so, too. Meyer kind of surprised me, Um in the very early drafts of that novel, Meyer was barely there at all. And I think it was when I began to use him more also that the novel really kind of opened up and raised itself to the level uh, that I wanted it to be. And even like, you know, like you said, kind of thinking about characters now or thinking about the story now or like doing interviews now, when his name comes up, I find myself really thinking about him a lot. I, I really love those scenes with him and his wife. I thought those were some of my favorite scenes of the novel.
0: Yeah, well, no, I think you he he's very interesting in that uh, you make him um, he's a real character and and he could have easily been just I don't want to say stick figure but you know what I mean you could have just had him be a character right um, you know he performed a function he performed a role in the novel um, but you you brought him forward he's in the foreground and you can't he's hard to he's hard to forget and I like him. For the complexity and the surprise um, yeah. that when you look at somebody, you know, you might you mis- we misjudge people all the time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we look at people and we we develop instantly a picture in our minds of who they are based on what we see, and, you know, the context even the what the car that they're in or who they are. We just kind of make judgments. Um, yeah. We categorize, and he he's the character who I think. Uh, is breaking the mold of what you think he's going to be. And I like like that a lot.
1: Thank you. So do I. Um, One of the things I discovered early on in trying to write novels, and once I discovered this, it really helped me tremendously, as you might imagine, was that once I realized every single character who walks into a novel, you have to treat like a real person with their own complexities, with their own wants, desires, with their own things that keep their own things that keep them up at night, you know. Once I treated, started treating everybody like that, I think that really helped me break away from, like you said, a character who's just filling a role. Like you, you learn to take a character, whoever it is, and realize that, you know, they, they can be just as torn and confused and um, helpless or combative as, you know, the guy who's walking through the novel carrying the big stick, you know, carrying all the weight, so to speak. Um, that, when, I learned, when I learned that lesson you know years ago, I think that really when um, I begin to get closer to being able to write a novel that I, that I loved.
0: Yeah I no, I think that's an important point. I think you that's something that I think is difficult for any for any writer because it you have to take your imagination into so many different places, that means. Um, You know, it's probably the difference between being a really good writer and being a good, you know, being a good writer Um, that you're able to um, inhabit um, sympathetically, empathetically, a a wider array of people and that they're not all uh, simply extensions of your own personality. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And to me, that's the interesting part of it. When I start to feel a little bit uncomfortable in a novel emotionally, that's when I really know I'm going in the right direction. Like it used to be something I would shy away from back when, before I published a novel. I, I would write my characters into a tough spot or I would kind of come up on maybe a subject matter or a thought that a character was having that seemed to make me a little uncomfortable emotionally, like maybe somewhere I hadn't been before or really spent much time before emotionally. But then I realized, well, that's, that's exactly where you want to be like you want to be pushing yourself you want to be experiencing new things and and challenging yourself or i mean that's what I mean. that's what art is that's what life kind of should be too um so it's got to where now like i really try to push everybody to their edge so that i can get to those places and i can find out where they are And when i begin to have that sense of being uncomfortable i usually feel like Okay, now now you got something going,
0: right? Well, that means you've gotten to a place where you have to work, you know, where it's making you get down in in the mud essentially and do the hard
1: work. That's right. Yeah, it's work. Then it's you know, and you don't you don't want them to have it easy. So if you're having if you're having to work, then they're going to have to work too. Right.
0: No, that's great. I think it's a really good description of you know, of your of a writer's work, and um, and I think it is. You you've kind of hit on one of the most powerful elements of art and that's that, you know, this transformation of self uh, yeah. that makes it possible to uh, be it, for the work to resonate for other people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I can't remember which, maybe it was Robert Frost said, No Tears in the Writer, No Tears in the Reader, I think it was.
0: Yeah. No, that That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got to imagine, you got to. You have to be really engaged, otherwise I won't be as your reader. Exactly. Well, listen, this has been great talking to you and I really appreciate your taking some time and I really, I want to tell you again and tell the readers or people who are listening that Blackwood is a terrific book. Um, you know, there's a lot of pain in this book and I, I don't want to shy away from that. I think it's really... It's it's hard work for the reader too. It's you know yes. there's there's a lot of pain here, but I think it's worth it. The writing is beautiful, and your characters are really complicated, and the the story is very surprising. There are things that happen that you would not expect, you weren't expecting. Um, so I think it it's good in that way. You know it's uh, I, it was very rewarding
1: to read. Thank you, David. I appreciate you asking me to be on, and I'm really happy uh,
0: you enjoyed it. Well, thank you. This has been Writer's Cast, a podcast about books and authors. I've had the great pleasure of talking to Michael Ferris Smith about his novel, Blackwood. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, David. All right. Thank
0: you.